This is MPN. Welcome to Movie Matchup. I'm Casey. And I'm Grace. A podcast where we talk in-depth about two movies with a common theme, and at the end, we'll talk about menu items that you could enjoy while having your movie marathon. Grace, what is this week's theme? This week's theme is banding together. Yay! Yay! And uh, our first movie for that theme is, uh, this is Spinal Tap, the uh, mockumentary from 1984. Directed by Rob Reiner. And uh, the synopsis for Spinal Tap is, uh, This is Spinal Tap shines a light on the self-contained universe of a metal band struggling to get back on the charts, including everything from its complicated history of ups and downs, gold albums, name changes, and undersold concert dates, along with the full host of requisite groupies, promoters, hangers-on, and historians, sessions, release events, and those special behind-the-scenes moments that keep it all real. (laughs) (laughs) And our second movie is Josie and the Pussycats from 2001. And the IMDb plot is a girl group find themselves in the middle of a conspiracy to deliver subliminal messages through popular music. (laughs) <laughs> and that's it. That's the short <laughs> I picked a short one. Well, we'll get into it later. <laughs> yes. Yes, we will. Um, but let's talk about why we chose these two movies. Okay. Alrighty. <laughs> yeah, I feel like probably the obvious, the more obvious thing to pair with Spinal Tap is another mockumentary. But I think for for us anyway, we probably wanted to cover Josie and the Pussycats because it's it, to me, it feels slightly similar in its uh, gaining sort of cult status later in, uh-huh. in its life yeah. after its initial release uh, and being, you know, obviously a, a, a movie about the music industry. Um, so, yeah, I feel like uh, Spinal Tap, I think it had sort of a, a middling reception when it first came out. It was the critics loved it, but it didn't get uh, a whole lot of attention uh, in theaters. And then it wasn't until years later that it was released on VHS and, and sort of got this cult following. And Josie and the Pussycats, I think, uh, well, did not have the critical reception no. that Spinal Tap did, no. but <laughs> uh, and was also a bomb in the box office. But it was maybe just recently, I think. Uh, been sort of reconsidered by uh, the general public as an actual good movie. (laughs) Yeah, I think because it wasn't, people didn't really understand them when they came out. Like, people thought that Spinal Tap was real. They didn't know it was a parody. And people (laughs) didn't know that Josie and the Pussycats was a satire. They just thought it was just a terrible movie with all this product placement in it and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Which is amazing. (laughs) Like, I heard that uh, you know, much later, I actually saw Josie and the Pussycats in the theaters when it came out and loved mm-hmm. it. But um, and, and and I was in high school at the time. I was not, you know, I was pretty young, uh, and I got the pop product placement joke. And it wasn't until much later that I that I found out that so many critics did not get the joke of the product placement. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, it's so obvious. How do you not get that? <laughs> it's also the plot of the movie. The plot yeah. of the movie is like selling 
stuff through music. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just so over the top. Like, they have uh, toothpaste boxes stuck to the side of the plane. Like, why did you think? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Truly amazing. (laughs) But aside from that, I do think that these movies have uh, some other things in common. Um, in a lot of ways, they're sort of a satirical look at, uh, and, and kind of a cynical look, honestly, at the music industry, yeah. uh, in different ways. But, um, you know, Spinal Tap, we're, we're following this sort of aging rock band that's, um, definitely waning in their popularity. And mm-hmm. you see them sort of clinging to, uh, the past of who they were and, and, and surrounding themselves with people who sort of, sort of aren't going to be really honest with them about their future. And, um, and then Josie and the Pussycats, obviously the music industry is just this, uh, big giant conspiracy to sell products to people. Um, so not the most flattering look, but on the other hand, you have the, this band at the center of both movies that sort of, uh, sort of cute and touching and, and how much they, uh, how long they've been together and, and how much they mean to each other is like almost a family. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Uh, they're both also their stories, you know, about the band that breaks up close to the end yeah. and then gets back together. Um, yeah. But I really like that Spinal Tap shows like a different section that it is like as they're like, you know, going down in popularity and then it comes on the upswing where most movies are kind of like not really like Josie but the same general story of Josie whereas like they're not famous or they're like coming together and then their rise to fame and then usually I feel like a fall and then sort of like a trying to have like a happy ending out of it so I really Mm -hmm. like that Spinal Tap is like nope we're picking them up right in the middle like they've had albums come out like it's it's just interesting you don't really see that very often um but yeah so we have uh also, I guess kind of similar in songs, we have Backdoor Lover yes, <laughs> by DuJour, and then we have uh, Big Bottom in Big This Bottom. Is Metal Top. Yeah. So. yeah, I feel like it's it's really interesting going directly from Spinal Tap to Josie because Josie opens with DuJour, the boy band, uh, singing the song Backdoor Lover, and it feels like, especially because you've seen Spinal Tap you know, throughout their history, just go through all these changes and just picking up whatever, you know, style of music is popular at the time and, and like adapting in that way. And it kind of feels like if Spinal Tap made it to the boy band phase, this is who they would be. You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the, the similarities with the songs, and I won't say, I don't know that I would say that Spinal Tap or Dijor really have good songs. Like, Objectively, the lyrics are sort of terrible, <laughs> yeah. but they are catchy songs in both movies. Like, I find myself wanting to sing along <laughs> with all of these songs, Yeah, which is maybe a little more acceptable in Josie, which, again, I think the soundtrack is a big reason that the, that movie has, has been able to persist over, over time uh, because it was much more popular than the movie itself was. Oh, yeah, the music's great. When it came yeah. out. Um, but uh, even Spinal Tap and, and all of their, you know, sex farm and, and stuff like that, it's still, it's still, you know, you, it's kind of a bop. You, 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 you nod your head and along to it. They're also, they're pleasant to listen to because the lyrics are so ridiculous that yeah. it's just, yeah, 
Did you have anything else that you want to cover on what they have in common? I think that's all I've got for now. But yeah, let's go through the movies and, you know, shout out if you got something you want to add here. So we'll start with uh, Spinal Tap. Okay. And uh, we uh, open with Rob Reiner playing uh, Marty De- Deberg. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Marty Debergi, which. Uh, is apparently an amalgam of like a whole bunch of different directors' names that I'm not going to mention right now because it's kind of ridiculous. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg, and this is like five different directors' names. <laughs> um, but uh, we open with him uh, presenting his rockumentary, um, showcasing uh, the uh, tour of the aging band Spinal Tap. And um, <laughs> this is probably my favorite joke in the movie and I know it's like right off the bat but I just love when he is a, he like attempts to cross his arms and he like hits the like what is that called like a viewfinder on his chest that directors wear oh. and just like and just like brings them down it's so awkward and so perfectly done <laughs> I love it so much anyway <laughs> so he introduces us to Spinal Tap uh, and the band member is David St. Hubbins played by Michael McKeon Nigel Tufnell, played by uh, Christopher Guest, and uh, Derek Smalls, played by Harry Shearer, who formed the core of the group. And then there's also the keyboardist, Mick Shrimpton, and a, uh, well, as we'll see, a variety of drummers. Um, (laughs) They have a show at Madison Square Garden, and then there's a party to set the band off on their North American tour, uh, which is supposed to promote their new album called Smell the Glove. Yeah. (laughs) And... um, in an interview, we get sort of a brief history of the band. Uh, we find out that they were originally called the Originals, but then there was another band that was called the Originals, so then they had to go by the new Originals. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we also cover, or start to cover, uh, all the drummers for the band who all seem to die under mysterious circumstances. <laughs> One uh, was in a bizarre gardening accident, and... The police apparently said just to, best to leave it unsolved. <laughs> um, one choked on vomit, but it oddly was not his own vomit. <laughs> apparently. Someone else's vomit. Yeah. Someone else's vomit. Yeah. <laughs> but how did they know that, really? Because you can't dust for vomit. <laughs> uh, anyway, when we go to a show where we hear the song Big Bottom. Um, uh, and then uh, back to an interview we're discussing the critical reception of the band which has uh, seems to have always been pretty bad <laughs> or at least um, Marty is not presenting any good uh, reviews for them to <laughs> to look over uh, one of them for the album Shark Sandwich was apparently just a two word review that said shit sandwich <laughs> <laughs> I love their reaction to that one, too. They were just yeah. like, where, where did they print that? Yeah. Nobody's yeah. Print yeah. <laughs> they head to uh, Atlanta for a recording industry convention and uh, learn that uh, stores are refusing to sell their album because the cover is so offensive and sexist, um, which they don't see a problem. I mean, what's the problem with being sexy, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
so then uh, at the next show, <laughs> at the next show backstage, Nigel is complaining about the food um, <laughs> because he has tiny little pieces of bread uh, and and normal sized slices of meat. So how are you supposed to? How does that work? How are you supposed to make that work? Which is a great scene. I just love how much he does not get the concept of folding the meat in order to put it on the bread. And uh, they play uh, their next song, uh, Hell Hole. And as they're playing, Nigel sort of really gets into it and bends over backwards and then has trouble getting back up. So, so stage and stage has to come and help him, help him back up to his feet. Um <laughs> Then we go to an interview where Nigel is showing off all of his guitars uh, and all of his equipment and, um, you know, the infamous These Go to Eleven uh, <laughs> scene with his amp. Oh, one of my one of my favorites with, in that scene, uh, a, a lesser quoted one, I think, is when he's he's holding up the guitar and he's and he's saying, just listen to the stain, listen. And he goes, well, you're not it's there's no sound. You're not playing anything. He goes, no, you would, though, if it were playing. <laughs> Uh, then we get more gigs uh, are getting canceled as they go along the tour Uh, there's just not enough interest uh, in them as a band Um, we uh, see the band listening to an old song of theirs on the radio listen to the flower people Um, a very different style than what we've (laughs) seen Mm -hmm. uh, so far and uh, David gets his longtime uh, girlfriend Janine to agree to fly in which Nigel is less than enthused about, we'll say. Um, the uh, band stops at Graceland and tries to uh, sing Heartbreak Hotel uh, as they're looking over Elvis's grave and end up uh, just trying too hard. <laughs> it was it was going so well, and then they they needed to do the harmonies, and uh, oh, it's just so sad. Um, <laughs> they're doing a mic check, and Janine arrives. And at the same time, Ian brings out the band's uh, new album, uh, and the cover is completely black because uh, they studio, I guess, decided uh, to make a, a decision to get rid of the offensive cover that was keeping them from being able to sell in all the stores. Um, and Ian insists that this is a, a you know a, a very thought through decision. <laughs> um, but David is not really on board. It kind of seems like the rest of the band members are okay with it, though. Yeah. Let's see. At the next show, they play Rock and Roll Creation. And uh, they have this uh, very sort of sci-fi setup where uh, all the band members jump out of, like, a little, like, alien pod. Um, but Derek gets stuck in his. And so he plays the whole song inside the pod while stagehands are trying to get him out. And then is finally able to get out uh, just as the song ends. <laughs> and he's supposed to get back in. <laughs> <laughs> I like that song though, Rock and Roll Creation. It's fun. <laughs> they have a signing in Chicago, um, but nobody shows up. And uh, we see uh, Paul Schaefer <laughs> was supposed yeah. to plan the signing and, and, and tries to take the blame. Um, <laughs> it's all his fault, really. <laughs> uh, the next show. They uh, are trying to uh, go. They actually seem to have a decent crowd, but they get lost on the way to the stage and <laughs> spend a ridiculously long amount of time wandering around backstage trying <laughs> to find their way back. 
Um, <laughs> so gigs are dropping one after another. Uh, and so the band is trying to come up with a, a plan to sort of reinvigorate things. Uh, David's girlfriend, Janine, uh, wants them to do like a horoscope uh, astronomy thing <laughs> where everybody like is in makeup like their uh, horoscope signs um, because that's like her thing. She's like very into astrology and uh, like yoga and stuff like that. Nobody else is on board. <laughs> no. Except for David, obviously. Uh, and uh, Nigel wants to go with something with a big production value. Uh, so he wants them to bring back the, their song Stonehenge, uh, which involves a big Stonehenge uh, piece uh, that's on stage. And so he gives uh, Ian a drawing of uh, what they want it to look like. And Ian says he'll make it happen. Uh, but then... <laughs> uh, he meets with uh, Angelica Houston. Hey, yeah, <laughs> uh, who has made the Stonehenge piece to the specifications on the napkin, which is that it is eighteen inches tall. Yeah. <laughs> so then they're stuck with this tiny Stonehenge, and they play the song. And a tiny little Stonehenge comes down from the ceiling, and then a little dwarf comes out and dances around the the prop, which is just. You know, it's it's probably one of the most well-known scenes in the whole movie, and I think for good reason. It's just so ridiculously, hilariously stupid. <laughs> uh, so they argue about this afterward. It's sort of the breaking point. Uh, and Ian says he just does what he's asked to do. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Again, one of the best lines, I think, uh, sorry, uh, Derek says that maybe if they fix the choreography, it will be better for the next show. <laughs> and he says, I don't think the problem was the choreography. I think the problem may have been that there was a Stonehenge monument on stage that was in danger of being crushed by a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, after that disaster, David suggests that maybe Ian needs some help and letting Janine pick up some of the slack with uh, managing the band. And Ian is uh, so offended that he storms out. Um, so then Janine takes over uh, managing the band um, and she gets them to their next location. But the gig has fallen through. So they go to a military base where they're having like a celebratory weekend or something like that. And they're basically being the house band for <laughs> a dance. <laughs> uh, and they play sex farm, which does not go over well, shockingly with all of the uh, members of the military and their families who are in there. <laughs> and uh, Nigel is so frustrated with the situation that he uh, walks off stage <laughs> and leaves the band. I do enjoy when they arrive there, when Fred Willard greets yes. them. <laughs> And he says, we are such fans of your music and all your records. I'm not speaking of yours personally, but the whole genre. Just... Yes, greatness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, at the next show, they're at a county fair where actually, I think, Casey, you know the line here. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh so because Janine has, has taken over as, as band manager, they're noticing, like, the sign about 
Spinal Tap performing and she says, if I told them once, I told them a hundred times to put Spinal Tap first and the puppet show last. <laughs> um, so, but they can't play many of their songs because they either need um, Nigel there or some of them are Nigel's songs. So they, they only have like about 10 minutes of uh, music that they can play. So they decide to instead do a... Um, experimental jazz odyssey which they call spinal tap mach 2 which does not seem to go over well with the crowd there and janine gets to play uh, the tambourine so yeah. <laughs> before you know it was just like criticism about doubly music like music in, in doubly and how you know but now she's managing by astrology and uh she gets to be in the band um as the tour wraps up, it's, there's sort of uh, David and Derek are kind of reflecting on the band and, and realizing that this is probably the end. And the, they're uh, talking about how now they can do all those things that they, you know, didn't have time to do uh, all these years, including writing a Jack the Ripper musical uh, called Saucy Jack. <laughs> Uh, which I'm sure would have gone over well. <laughs> Sequel. Sequel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at their final gig, uh, Nigel shows up backstage and he tells them that apparently Sex Farm is uh, on the charts in D- Japan. And uh, Ian wants to uh, get the band together to, to go on a tour there. Uh, and David initially rebuffs him, but then uh, calls him uh back on stage as they're playing uh, Tonight We're Gonna Rock You. Uh, and then we flash forward to the band on stage in Japan, playing for a very receptive crowd. Uh, and Ian and Janine are both backstage, so I guess they may be sharing managing responsibilities <laughs> at this point. Uh, and it all works out. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, and then over the credits, we have uh, Marty asking them all... Um, uh, what they would do if they weren't rock stars. Um, and, uh, you know, we get various answers. Like David says, he'd be a full-time dreamer. Um, <laughs> but uh, and, um, then uh, and Nigel, Nigel says that he could, he could see himself, you know, working in a shop or something like that. And uh, Marty says, uh, oh, do you think do you think you could be happy doing something like that? And I wanted to quote, Edgar Wright recently tweeted this. Uh, and I happened to see it after we chose this as our next double feature. So he said, when the topic of best final line in a movie comes up, we all have our favorites, but objectively it is. Well, I don't know. What are the hours? <laughs> so that's Spinal Tap. <laughs> oh, and it is on HBO Max. Yes. Uh, as is Josie and the Pussycats. Yes, they both are. So... <laughs> okay, so Josie and the Pussycats opens uh, with boy band Du Jour singing their hit song Backdoor Lover to a crowd of screaming fans at like a private airport. And then they board a private plane while they bicker that with... That is a, oh. I, uh, Sorry. That is a, another similarity between these two movies. We, we open with uh, this sort of like... Because Josie and the Pussycats actually kind of opens with a direct-to-camera, like, interviewing of the fans, which Spinal Tap obviously does as well, because yeah. it's kind of a staple of this, like, rockumentary type of thing. Um, so we kind of start out in that world almost with Josie and the Pussycats and then move into uh, less of a 
uh, documentary feel for the rest yeah, of it. That's anyway. true. <laughs> Um, so yes, yeah, so du jour, they board their private plane and they bicker uh, with one another over facial expressions and a pet monkey. <laughs> and they bring up to their manager, Wyatt, played by Alan Cumming, that they heard a really strange background track on one of their songs. And Wyatt respo- <laughs> responds by having the pilot and himself parachute out of the plane, leaving the plane <laughs> to crash with the band inside. Uh, and I do enjoy like the running joke that they have with du jour because they don't get along where it's like, Dejour means friendship. Dejour <laughs> means teamwork. And then as the plane is going down, it's like, Dejour means seatbelt. Dejour <laughs> means crash positions. So, yeah. So our very popular boy band has died in the opening. And then, so then we, we go to uh, opening credits and we get a music video uh, to the song Three Small Words. And we meet Josie, played by Rachel Lee Cook, who does vocals and guitar. Val, played by Rosario Dawson, who plays bass. And Melody, played by Tara Reid, who plays drums. And we see them having fun um, and how close they are. And we also... Yeah, we kind of establish their personalities as well. There are different personalities in this, like, opening song. Yes, we do. So, yeah, like, Melody has a thing where she's, like, holding up a sign. Because she's very much, like, a free spirit and free love and... She's like, she holds up a sign that says like, I love pussy because she's like trying to, you know, help out these causes and stuff like that. And someone crashes their car and then you see it says, I love pussy cats. And she just kind of like gets nervous and just runs away. (laughs) I do love the way she runs in this, the way. (laughs) Just her arms above her head. like Just flailing. Yeah. Flailing. Yeah. So great. Um. So, yeah, so during, uh, like, our music video, our intro music video, we also meet Alexander, the management. Alexandra, his sister, who her job that they list is is attitude. <laughs> and Alan M. as the sexiest guy in Riverdale. Um, which, like, Josie and the Pussycats is a spinoff of the Archie comics. And so there's yeah. a bunch of little mentions to it. Like, on the plane with DuJour in it, he says, like, oh, we're going to touch down in, in Riverdale in an hour. So... Yeah, so we meet um, all of our new characters. And then at the end of the song, we cut to real life where they're just performing in a bowling alley to no one. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of similar actually to the military base because you have like this announcer speaking over them as well. Yeah. <laughs> like in the in the bowling alley. Um, so the low point for them, but it's at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So then we get uh, Catherine Isabel from Ginger Snaps and Hannibal Cameo as like a mean girl making fun of them. Thank you for mentioning it because you knew I was going to if you didn't. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that she was in it. I was really surprised yeah. when uh, when she popped in. Um, so then later we get an MTV News announcement that DeJour is missing. And the last DeJour song plays at a record store and people are suddenly inspired to buy new stuff. Weird. Oh, this is one of my favorite uh lines about uh du jour is the studio they have yet to release a statement but they have released a commemorative box <laughs> <laughs> so then wyatt is looking for a new band since he killed the last one um or he thinks anyway um so he's looking for a new band and as he's looking he almost hits that he actually almost hits them he almost hits Josie and the Pussycats as they're running across the, the street and we get slow motion and smoke <laughs> and wind in their hair and then a sign that says number one band in the world is also going by at that moment. 
So uh, then he takes them to Starbucks and tries to convince them. I really didn't mention the product placement already, but there is a lot of product placement in this film. Yes. There are 73 different brands like in the film, (laughs) none of whom got paid like there was no no payment exchange it was just they just used all of the the logos and stuff like that um but yeah so they go to starbucks where he convinces them to sign with mega records and while it seems fishy that it's like happening so fast it's their dream so they go ahead and sign so then we go now they are on the private plane and i only mention it because i just i enjoy the one joke where Alexander asks his sister, like, I still don't understand why you're here. And she says, because I was in the comic book. (laughs) So then it is makeover time. So they all get makeovers. And Wyatt starts to try to divide the band by calling them Josie and the Pussycats and not just the Pussycats. And when the limousine goes to leave, they almost leave without Valerie. So then the government goes to Mega Records, the epicenter for all trends. (laughs) And Eugene Levy talks about subliminal messages in music. Fact. Kids don't have bills to pay. Fact. They don't pay taxes, but they do babysit and hold minimum wage jobs that earn them wads of cash as thick as, well, my body of work. (laughs) And so... so, I do love... I mean, we've got Eugene Levy in that that little cameo, and then we've got Parker Posey uh, playing... um, What's her name? Uh, oh gosh, sorry. I, I haven't written to Fiona. <laughs> Fiona, yes. Um, who are two actors who, uh, you know, would later go on to be sort of staples in the Christopher Guests like oh, cinematic that's true. universe. Yeah, I guess. yeah. <laughs> so we've got, we've got, we we're like almost there. Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spinal Tap two. You know, it's just one degree of separation. Yeah. Right? <laughs> So then, um, oh, and they say, like, even if, like, the bands start to catch on to, like, putting the product placement in the music, they have created a show. They've created behind the music just to take care of them. So, like, if they die in plane crashes or if they get addicted to drugs, it's like, that's how they solve that problem if any of the the bands end up catching on. (laughs) So Josie and the Pussycats record a song with the Mega Sound 8000, which is what adds the subliminal messages to the music. And, like, right after listening, Vegetarian Mal says, I want a Big Mac. So, like, you're really <laughs> catching on that, like, the subliminal messages and product placement and how they're forcing people to want to buy stuff. And then during Pretend to be Nice, we get a montage of them moving up the charts and becoming famous. And their song becomes number one. And a lot happens. And then Josie asks, does anybody else think it's strange this all happened in a week? <laughs> And Wyatt tells no. him, no. no. <laughs> we all get number one songs in a week, right? That's yeah. what happens. They haven't played their concert yet, but. <laughs> so then Wyatt tells them they're going to play their first concert, which is going to be playing a stadium. It's an Operation Big Concert. And everyone who wants to hear the show has to buy metal cat ears, which are going to be sending subliminal messages um, to all the viewers. And then Melody takes a McDonald's shower. And I'm only mentioning it just because, like, it's so funny to me. Like, it's cute how there's just, like, all the, the little M's on the door. But then yeah. her little, like, sponges and stuff like that are, like, French fries. Like, it's just yeah, so funny. Yeah, she's, like, using, like, a French fry loofah or whatever. Yeah. So then she she comes out of the shower and she just said, she sees, like, beware of the music 
written like in red lipstick on the mirror which usually would be very threatening and she screams but then she just fixes it by adding like a smiley face and a heart to it and it's like just dismisses <laughs> the warning altogether it's like now it's fixed and everything is fine <laughs> Uh, at the Mega Records party, Fiona tries to do girl time, which makes them uncomfortable. And Melody and Valerie are starting to, like, ask questions about what's happening. So, basically, they've got to go. Yeah. So, then, just Valerie and Melody are booked on TRL. And when they get there, they see that TRL is fake. And Carson Daly and the other Carson Daly, as he's credited, try to kill them. <laughs> um, I love that... Uh... They, like, Carson Daly is literally an assassin. They didn't just, like, fake them going to TRL and then have somebody, some random assassin kill them. It's literally Carson Daly. Has yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he tries to kill his girlfriend in real life. So. Um, so then Josie has been told uh, by Wyatt to listen to the new remix of their song and she gets brainwashed. And when Val- Valerie and Melody come back like, from TRL alive, which great that they've made it back alive, Josie says, why do you call it our music? Which upsets Valerie. And then puppies turn into dogs who get old and die, which just crushes Melody. And the band falls apart. So uh, Josie then discovers the hidden track on their songs and she's, she realizes like that they're selling stuff through our music. They're selling us through our music. I'm a trend pimp. <laughs> I love that uh, uh, Missy Pyle is in that in that scene when she's like, they first uncover the hidden track and she realizes that it's Mr. Movie Phone. And she goes, how did you get Mr. Movie Phone to record for your, for your song? <laughs> you slept with him. <laughs> So my friend and I used to watch this movie a lot when we were younger. Yeah. And she would, that's like the one line that she would say all the time. <laughs> you slept with him. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so then Fiona and Wyatt take them all hostage. Jody refuses to play their mu- their play their like debut concert and brainwash everybody. And she does a big apology to Melody and Valerie. And then we get a cat fight. So... <laughs> Valerie fights Wyatt and Mel fights security and Fiona tries to hit Josie but instead hits the Mega Sound 8000 and we find out that Fiona was trying to brainwash everyone into thinking she was cool. That was the big the big plan. Uh, and then we find out that Fiona and Wyatt have changed their names from like Lisa or Lisping Lisa and Wally and they're pretending to be these people um, that they are now. And Alexander explains like the moral of the story is you should be happy with who you are. We've been spending all this money on expensive clothes trying to impress people. Happiness is on the inside. I'm not what I wear. I'm not what I wear. And then he gets naked. Yes, yeah. (laughs) I also, I know the actor who plays Alexander has been in other things, but the only other thing I really know him from is The the Expanse, where he's the... um, Mm-hmm. The doctor on the Canterbury, who's who's also high all the time, <laughs> and only good things happen to him. Nothing yes. <laughs> bad. Nothing bad. No spoilers. <laughs> no, no. Um. So yes. Uh, so then Fiona and White are arrested, and Josie and the Pussycats play their concert without the subliminal messages, 
And Alan M. surfs the crowd to tell Josie that he loves her. And they kiss. And then we get our happy ending. The end. (laughs) Um, And then like for my trivia. So I have like Rachel Lee Cook's singing voice was dubbed by lead singer of the band uh, Letters to Cleo, Kay Hanley. Yes. Um, Who we saw. We did. So that was another (laughs) thing I wrote down. So I rewatched the from the Mondo release party, like the interview portion of Mm -hmm. it and I had forgotten that both of the directors and then Rachel Lee Cook and Tara Reid were there and that Rosario Dawson comes late and how she was like trying to get there on time and that she was afraid she wasn't going to make it on time and be left out like Valerie (laughs) feeling left out in the movie (laughs) it's funny because it was like almost like they were wrapping up and then she shows up and everything and it was like oh she's here yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then um Breckenmeyer, Alexander Martin, Donald Faison, and Seth Green, who are du jour, were also all in Can't Hardly Wait, which was also directed by Harry yeah. Alphonse and Deborah Kaplan. And then, you know, <laughs> Breckenmeyer and Donald Faison are both in a band in that movie as well. They're in a band together. <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. So since both of these movies are about music. Yes. Grace If you were in a band or you were a musician, what would be on your band writer? Right. Um, So, (laughs) one thing, I would want chapstick in every room that I am staying in. (laughs) Easily accessible chapstick, no matter where I go. that's totally fair. Yes. (laughs) Um. Number two, inspired by Spinal Tap, actually, because I when I was watching that scene where Nigel was like, I was looking up with the tiny bread, you know, I was like, I remember that tiny bread, like, it used to be at parties, like, when I was a kid all the time, like, our parents would have it, but I, like, looked up, I don't think, like, regular grocery stores, a lot of them don't carry it anymore, it's, like, called cocktail bread, so then I was like, how fun would it be to just have, like, old, like, 70s or 60s appetizers at every place (laughs) like backstage at every place like I want it to be something like ridiculous uh that would you know maybe maybe in in a gelatin mold or something Mm -hmm. like that (laughs) I want some sort of ridiculously old uh party food uh at uh, every backstage and then I don't know. I feel like I would maybe want access to like a kitten or a puppy, but then I'd feel bad if, uh, you know, leaving it behind all the time. I was trying to come up with some sort of like solution for that. Like if I could make sure it's adopted uh, by the end of, of the, the tour or something, <laughs> I mean, then I would want to be able to hang out with the kitten. <laughs> if you if you had them and then you went on stage and announced it, it probably would get adopted by somebody that's, that's there. I think it was, I forget, because I was like going through some of the ridiculous things and I forget if it was like Nick Jonas. There is someone who required like 12 puppies. Like 12? I think to be like wherever he was going to be. I wish I could remember. Mm. That was like one of the ones I didn't write down. Like, I wrote down uh, that Justin Timberlake needs someone to disinfect his doorknobs every two hours, which honestly, wow. like right now, seems yes, pretty. That's, that's, that pretty does great. not seem unreasonable, especially like yeah, if you're traveling around and you know your livelihood is depends on you not getting a head cold, you know. <laughs> yeah, 
That's kind of, yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah. He also requires his own elevator and his own floor of a hotel, which is a bit more. But I I get if you uh, are as famous as any of these people that I'm going to mention are, you probably don't want to have to share an elevator. Like, it's just, you know, probably, like, for safety and just to kind of get where you need to go and stuff. This one I had, like, text you because I was going to ask you about it. But, like, Mariah Carey requires a person whose sole purpose is to throw away her gum. (laughs) <laughs> which seems like a lot because how much gum are you yeah. chewing I feel like anybody could take your gum but or just lost by a trash can yeah you could just <laughs> spit it out yeah Sharon needs a room for just her wigs uh Christina Aguilera needs a police escort because she doesn't want to be stuck in traffic wow so um all right and then Prince uh, he made all the items in his dressing room be covered in clear plastic until he unwrapped them, which I guess I wonder if that's also, again, like a, like a, like a sanitary thing that it's just, yeah, everything is like unwrapped by, by you. Um, so yeah, uh, but I would want, um, I'd want a little area for Chur to run around, like for mm-hmm. some like space, you know, that he can be happy. And then I probably would want like some chicken or something for him. For producer Ryan, I think we wanted, like, chips and, like, some candy. He probably would be good with, like, some Reese's peanut butter cups and just a variety of chips that, that he can have. Taylor Swift has, like, a specific Starbucks order. And I was like, oh, iced coffee. You know what? That sounds great. I would want some yeah. iced coffee. Um, and then lately we're on this kick where we drink Olipop and then either bourbon, vodka, or gin. So it's like I wouldn't mind having, like, some Olipop. And some hard alcohol. So I can have that or I can have <laughs> champagne. Um, and then very basic, just air conditioning and probably like a television. But yeah. I imagine they probably all come with that anyway. But Yeah, I feel like you wouldn't need to specify that. But yeah, who knows? Yeah. So anyway, I think that both of us um, have been unreasonable in our demands. <laughs> so... Okay. All right. Did you, what would you want to eat for your double feature? Yeah. So there are still places to get the tiny bread and I feel like I would just want to make a uh, little tiny bread sandwiches yeah. for yeah. <laughs> for Spinal Tap <laughs> with a side of olives. <laughs> <laughs> and that was another problem he had. Like some of them didn't have like the little pimento in them yes. and some did. <laughs> so it was just pure chaos really. <laughs> Um, so for me, I, I thought about making little chocolate cat ears, but then I didn't end up doing that, um, because mm-hmm. there's so much like product placement in the film. I was like, oh, I'll do something for that. So I did like a slice and bake version of the Target logo. So you just, you know, like you roll it and then you can just cut it and, uh, yeah, you have little tiny Target logos. So perfect. that's, that's what I made for it. <laughs> um, anything else, Grace, before we move on to where people can find us? Uh, I think that's it. Okay. All right. Grace, do you want to tell people where they can find us? <laughs> so you can find us on Instagram at movie underscore matchup or on sugarednerd.com. And the theme for next time will be cottage hardcore. And remember, it's just a fine line between stupid and clever. <laughs>